Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to another episode of Collective Wisdom, and thank you so much for being here. October the 10th was World Mental Health Day, and October is fast becoming a month where we focus our attention on mental health issues. Last month, I met my guest today, Dr. Shurston Comley, at a networking event, and I was really interested in the work she's currently doing with her co-founder, psychologist Dr. Susie Godson. Together, they have designed and created an app called Tell Me, and this is how it's described on their website. Tell Me is a safe, anonymous app where you can talk about absolutely anything, from anxiety to autism, dating to depression, or self-harm to self-esteem. Sharing your experiences with an awesome community helps you to feel better. Our moderators check everything to keep you safe, and our in-house counsellors are always on hand if you need extra help. Given the huge increase in the numbers of young people who are experiencing or will experience mental health issues, I invited Shirsten to come along and talk a bit more about the app and how it came into being and how it's now fast proving to be a hugely helpful resource. We live in times that challenge us now more than ever. Amidst the relentless churn of social media, the isolation brought on by a digital age and the unprecedented uncertainty of our era, mental health has become a crisis we can no longer afford to overlook. In the UK alone, 7% of our children attempt suicide and nearly 25% of adolescents may experience a mental health problem in any given year. As things currently stand, 32% of young people who are referred by their GP to see a mental health practitioner remain on a waiting list for over a year. These are not just numbers. They're our friends, our families, and our future. So what can we do? How can we provide the help that's so desperately needed? These questions are pressing, but today we've got someone who's not just asking these questions, but actively part of finding solutions. Dr. Shurston Comley is the co-founder of Tell Me, an innovative multi-award-winning app that is helping to address the current mental health crisis. The app is a lifeline, a direct channel to mental health solutions and a beacon for hope of hope for young people. Tell Me stands as an example of how technology cannot just be part of the problem, but an essential part of the solution, transforming mental health outcomes for young people by giving them the tools and a supportive community to help themselves and each other. So Shirsten, a warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me to share a bit more of the story of Tell Me and the invaluable work that you're doing. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's very exciting. So so tell me, first off, um, perhaps you could share a bit about how you came to be in this space doing the work you're doing. Yeah, so uh, my background is actually engineering. So I trained as a 
as a mechanical engineer and I started in, in my very early careers in uh, automotive engineering. But I quickly realised that what interested me more was health and, and the medical space. And I first moved into sort of the physical medical space and then over time moved into sort of health tech and health technology. Um, but I also was involved um, in co-founding a school in East London and I'm chair of governors and, and we're celebrating our 10th year in, uh, in a, at a party next week. Um, and so that also brought me into the education space. So I've got you know, this background of health tech and ed tech. And um, about nine years ago, I, I met my lovely co-founder, Dr. Susie Godson, um, who is a psychologist and a journalist. Some of you may know her. She has a column in The Times on a Saturday. And um, we, we we actually, we met, we have daughters of the same age and we were at a trampolining class, sat bored on the side, both of us like workaholics. And she started to interview me about my background and she said, well, I've got an idea. And, um, and she told me about this idea. Um, originally, we were called Me Too. Um, and then, the, you know, the little nugget of an idea right at the beginning was that she realised that people needed a place where they could anonymously ask difficult questions and have difficult conversations. And that this app that she had in her mind would have a button that said Me Too, because so much of anxiety and, and worry comes from a fear that you're the only one with that problem. And if only we could help young people understand that they're not the only one. And just because their friends aren't experiencing that problem, it doesn't mean that somebody else isn't also experiencing it. And so of course, when I heard this idea, it was I just thought it was fantastic. And I, I shared it with loads of my own ideas. And she said, well, you're going to have to do it with me, aren't you? So <laughs> having only met her two weeks before, suddenly we, we embarked on this journey to, uh, to get to know each other, to get to know the problem, um, and, then, and then to develop what, what, you know, what we've got now. Which, so it's been quite an extraordinary journey. And we often say that it's, it's dragged us rather than us having to drag it because it's, it's, it's quite a powerful thing we're doing. Well, there's just so much there. Firstly, I love that you've taken the initiative and gone from, you know, often we have these brilliant ideas, but it's how do we execute? How do we get this out into the world in a meaningful way? Because, I mean, it does make total sense that if you've got a, a forum where people can go and just, you know, I work in storytelling and often the best stories are the ones where we go, oh, yeah, me too. I really resonate with that. Um, and I think it's so powerful that that feeling of isolation when you when you talk to people in mental health crises, it's it's often I felt so alone mm -hmm. is the is the first. Point. Yes. Yes. I mean, that that data comes through all the time. And I mean, there's a lot of academic research into peer support, but it's very difficult to find examples of it being done well in digital. And that's that's what we wanted to do. And one of the, the, the most powerful pieces of research that we found was that the, the person providing the help often benefits more than the person who is who is being helped. And in the very early days, we were nervous as to whether we would actually get enough responses. You know, people would come and ask their questions, but would there be enough replies? And, and we quickly realised that, of course, everybody's altruistic, but equally, you quickly realise that you're, being, you're benefiting yourself and that feeling that you get. I mean, in the early days, Susie and I were, were, were replying to a lot of posts as well. The community's so big now. We, we don't have to do that. But, um, and the buzz that we would get when somebody would come back and say, thanks, that really helped me. You're like, oh, well, that's just made my day as well. <laughs> you know? So it's, it's a wonderful, you know, reciprocal process, the, the, the whole thing. And that's such a valid point and maybe something you didn't anticipate going into it is that when you empower somebody to feel not only is it not, I'm not alone in this, but I also have access to the ways 
my own solutions may be the way out for someone else. I think that's yeah. that's wonderful. Absolutely. And and what we I think we have to understand. So we, so the app is aimed at anybody over the age of eleven, but our target is eleven to twenty five year olds. And for for young people, particularly those who are still at home generally they don't have a great deal of agency to change their situation. You know, they can't get a new set of parents or a new school. They can't necessarily go and run away from the bullies. Um, and and that, that leaves them disempowered. And so what we really wanted to do through this process with Tell Me was give them an understanding of the strengths that they have and how they can use their experiences to help each other and understand their own situation so that they had more agency because that in itself actually improves mental health. Yeah, completely. I think that word agency, often when you feel like you're in that victim scenario where there is no control and there's seemingly no way out, you know, you, yeah, as you said, you, you can't often change the physical circumstances, but changing how you perceive it. And, and then again, that sense of I'm not in this alone is yes. super helpful. So you mentioned the the sort of the interaction with with people within the community. How how has that, you know, what does it look like now? How how did it evolve from when you two were the people answering yes. the questions? <laughs> um, so well we've supported, so we launched we launched the app finally in uh, 2017 and we've supported over 80,000 young people since mm. then. Um, at the moment, we see around 4,000 active people within the community. Um, you know, people come in and go, and, and all our data actually shows that we have really high levels of engagement, which is unusual for apps and health apps. You know, people mm. tend to use them for a day and give them up. But I think because you've got that sort of human interaction, it really keeps people connected. Um and so, the, I mean, the critical things are is that it, it's designed to look like social media, but it really isn't social media. Um, so we've taken the best bits of social media, but then we've mitigated against all the risks. So we have a team of trained moderators who check everything. That's the posts and the replies from 8.30 in the morning until 11 o'clock at night. They, they do that every half an hour. So it's quite quick turnaround. Um, and at the beginning, we thought that that was going to be to screen out the trolls and the annoying you know, people. And but we, we don't get any of that, I think, because it's so interesting and comparing us to, say, Facebook, you see it's Facebook has become a sort of race to the bottom, whereas mm -hmm. Tell Me becomes a race to the top because everybody's seeing all this positive stuff. They don't they just want to contribute to that. Um, yeah. But, but what we did get, which which surprised us to begin with, is that we got a lot of young people who were really struggling and in crisis and having suicidal thoughts and so on. And so actually what the moderation does is it screens out those posts that are too complex for the peer community. And we have a team of counsellors who provides an, an immediate private response. So, and, and it's interesting because young people do use strong language. So we will get, I don't know, 100 posts a day which say something like, I want to die. And the counsellor will work with that young person to unpack that. And in, in many cases, that they're just using language and they've had an argument with their mum or their best friend or something. And the counsellor can say, well, go back to the peer community and talk about that because your peers can help you with that problem if you explain it in the right way. Equally, if it, if it is, you know, I want to die and, and, and that's they really mean it, the counsellor can help them un to understand, well, what's what's causing it? Who who do you have around you that can support you? What services might you need? So giving them that kind of scaffolding to, to support them. And we're, we're feeling pretty proud because we've just literally finished. We had the wrap-up wrap meeting today, a half million pound project to embed crisis support tools into the app. 
Um, right. So we've taken it from being a purely early intervention tool to something that can support a young person no matter what their needs are. Um, last year, we supported nearly 900 young people who are at risk of suicide. So it's it's yeah, it's given me shivers as I talk about yeah, it because it, you know incredible. because it, it's it yeah it's it's extraordinary how how it's morphed from being such a tiny little nugget to this to this extraordinary endeavor now. Yeah, and and as you said, you you've just unearthed just a huge problem, and you, most healthcare mental health care practitioners would say it just feels like there's a flood and and it's almost impossible on a one to one basis to to even, you know, nudge that dial towards the numbers that you're talking about. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we fundamentally believe that we can't solve this crisis if we keep focusing on a one-to-one model. Obviously that, you know, counsellors do amazing work and there's very good need for it, but demand is so big. We, we need to find other solutions. And that's what we're, that's what we're doing at Tell Me, because every person who comes to the community is somebody who can also give support. And so that makes it infinitely scalable, which is, you know, is, is, is very different. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing we found with our crisis support, you know, some brilliant services like Shout and Samaritans who provide in the moment one-off support. But there's no digital service that can provide long-term ongoing support. And that's exactly what Tell Me does. So we're, we're quite excited to be going out out now that we finish the project into the world and saying look, look at what we can do in this space yeah and I imagine I mean obviously there's confidentiality but I imagine you, within that you've got real real life stories of people whose lives have literally been turned around by this yeah I can tell you one I can tell you one because we we know this this young man very well and he's given his permission to share his story he um he he joined us a couple of years ago on the app and in fact we didn't even spot initially spot his first post but when we went when I'll come to the end of it the end of it is a story of hope his very first post and it, it was May a couple of years ago he uh it was it was it was terrible he was um he was self-harming he was struggling with anxiety he'd, he'd realized he'd developed an eating disorder he was skipping school and he said you know I, I'm now feeling suicidal um, and he and he, that was his very first post on the app. And then five months later, we we saw the post, and this is the one that kind of alerted it to us. Absolutely gorgeous post where he said, "I guys, I think we've done it. You know, I'm not cutting anymore. I'm balancing college and a part time job. I don't feel like ending it anymore. And it's you, the community, that has actually got me to where I am today. And I mean, oh, it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and this this young man, he's since. We reached out to him. Um, he features on a couple of films and our, one of our podcasts. Um, and, you know, he's been very happy to tell his story. Um, and, you know, he was he was in a really, really tough place. And But because he had the, the support of that community, you know, I, I, we can't even take credit for that because it's the people in the community who, who gave him that support. Um, yeah, he's he's about to go off to university now. So it's, it's oh, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I think it is at the essence of it is the deep empathy. When you've been there yourself, you can really know the things that, that have helped you, know which words have helped you, which words of support and encouragement have touched you more deeply perhaps than others, you know. Absolutely. I mean, we we don't so much now, but in the early days we would get um professionals saying to us, you know, well can a 15-year-old really give good advice? And we're like, well, you know, a 15-year-old is better placed to tell a 14-year-old how they should feel about not having a first kiss than, a, you know, yeah, someone in their yeah. 40s. Yes, <laughs> yes. Way to judge. 
but there, there is this also backed up by science actually there's some really interesting work um done a lot by by professor sarah jane blakemore at cambridge looking into the teenage mind and she's got all sorts of experiments that show that in the teenage period which actually now extends into the early 20s so from about 30 to maybe maybe 23 young people will actually find it easier to take advice from their peers than other professionals so before then little kids are really happy to, to listen to their teachers and their parents after that people prefer the expert the known expert but in that period uh, young people like to hear from each other much more than they do yeah in all aspects of life isn't Absolutely. it and I think that you know that's what adolescence is all about it's about that rupturing from your parents knowing you're going to have to stand on yes. your own feet and where are you going to go to well obviously you're you're surrounded by people so that yes. is a natural born place yes. and I think yeah. what I'm hearing is also that when you form those structures of of knowing how to ask for help it's I mean because one of the most um poignant things on the on the video on your brilliant website is I just felt so alone and 58% of young people don't ever get around to even asking for the help even giving that cry for help which is just quite shocking staggering but I think it's also when you talk about the tools this is now a resource knowing how much help has helped you knowing that it's about where do I find it Mm. um that's something that you can take as a life skill. Yeah, I think we, you know, we see lots of young people coming and disclosing issues for the first time, and I think it's mm-hmm. that that on our anonymity that allows for that because, and yeah. the fact that, and the fact that that they're talking to, to their peers, so it's not so formal. Um, and lots of young people they don't know how to express how they're feeling, and we we always laugh among ourselves because the eleven and the twelve year olds swear the most, and I think that wow. that's I think that's because. They don't have the vocabulary. They've got a strong emotion, but they don't have the vocabulary to describe that in a whole sentence. So they're efficient. And they use they use a, yeah, a strong yeah. word. And and what we can see when we look at the, the the conversations is that young people actually are learning through the app how to describe how they're feeling. And once they can explain that, then they can figure out who is the right person to go and talk to. So we had some independent evaluations done by UCL a few years ago. And they found an increase in communication with parents as a result of the app because the app was giving these kids the confidence to figure mm-hmm. out what they wanted to say. They could experiment with it, practice it, no judgment, nobody knows who they're, and then they could actually go and have a meaningful conversation with their parents. So that yeah, we, we didn't expect that, but um No. It's, it's all these unintended consequences. Yeah. And I think that is so powerful, the the essence of it being the the place where I can show up as myself, I can, I can swear, I can use words, but that's how I am feeling. That's, that's a a point of expression. And there's this loving, caring, supportive community. I'm not at risk of getting trolled. I'm not at risk of, you know, um, facing judgment. Mm -hmm. That's what comes across when you, the testimonials on, on the website, you know, the people that you're, you're actually, dealing with have found a place that they can then, as you say, work out a problem and then maybe have access to support while they go and find other forms of support, which is just, it must, it must make you so proud. It it does. I mean, it's tough, you know, and the funding landscape is tough and the, you know, Mm. the NHS is very slow at decision-making, whatever. But whenever I feel a bit down or a bit low and like, Oh, you know, can we do this? So in the, in the app, you can actually, all the posts are tagged against the topics. And so you can go and filter 
if you wanted to, you know, if you want to learn about anxiety or autism or something, you go and yeah. filter. But we have one topic, which is gratitude. And so if I'm feeling down, I will go in the app and I will put the gratitude filter on. And then I will see all these posts and some are directly thanking us, which is wonderful. And some are there thanking the community. And you just think, Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm doing the right thing here. Yeah. <laughs> God, I just think about it. And, 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 you know, that in itself is a tool, isn't it? I know it's a little bit cliched that if you can just, but it is about where we focus our attention. If you're feeling like everything is oppressive and against you, and you can just for a moment lift yourself to yeah. where I can maybe lend support, where I can be thankful for just the smallest, tiniest movement in the right yes. direction and to have it all just there in front of you. I mean, I think even as adults, it's important to have like a a place where you put whenever somebody says thank you, whether it's in writing, you know, somewhere yes. that you keep it in those moments of, oh, this is all happening to me. Yes. Then you can. I mean, yeah, I think it's just... It's it's actually such a great example of how it doesn't have to be rocket science. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be, you know, um, it, it's it's you're you're creating. I mean, again, I, I'm I'm guessing that that wasn't necessarily something you anticipated going into it as being. No, I think I often look back and I think if if we'd known what was involved at the beginning, we might not. <laughs> it was good we were naive <laughs> sometimes what you don't know is what gets you there you know you exactly. don't know what you don't know and that's that's yeah. that's really helpful at the beginning <laughs> yeah I know but I do I mean just to, to that what you were saying there about you know those acts of kindness and um, I was speaking to a, a user a while ago who, who was really struggling and had some really serious issues with self-harm and she she posted that um she was starting to use tell me as a tool so in the moments when she had her urges she would go to the app and she'd find three people to reply to and by replying to those three people it would help her combat and I'm like oh that is extraordinary amazing (laughs) Uh, amazing just the fact it's there and and it's on your phone and it's with you all the time it's just incredible now you mentioned you know the funding landscape this (laughs) none of this happens without people like you who are willing to put themselves on the line put all that effort in can you just explain a little bit about, you know, how did you get it from that great idea sitting on that bench mm-hmm. to where it is today? Yeah, I'll 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 stop blubbing. So <laughs> I love those stories. I love them. <laughs> so so Susie and I had been so we met, I think 2014 or something, but um, you know, we're slowly getting to know each other and um do doing lots of reading. We're both quite nerdy, so we did a lot of research in this space and we get, we get to 2016 and we'd formed a company and we'd found a software developer and we'd even decided to put a bit of our own money in. Not, not a huge amount, but for us back then, it felt like a really significant amount. And um, and we'd got this plan and yet and we needed a bit more. We needed a bit more. So we needed 20 grand more. And the software developers had kindly said, like, incredible that they did it for that price, actually, but that they would then build the first version of app if we could find 20 grand to pay them. And... Um, we had met, we met at a, at a Birkbeck event. We'd met a, a man called Andy Leonard and he, um, he, we were told you should go and talk to him. And so we downed a glass of wine and we sort of cornered him and he said, come back and see me in September. So we're, we're walking to his office in, in September and already some stars are aligning because this office was slap bang in the middle between our two houses. You know, it could have been anywhere in London and there wow. it was like literally in the middle of our two houses. Um, and so we're walking there and we, we had, our, we had this piece of paper with, these are the different things, you know, the breakdown of the 20 grand, this is what we'd need. 
And we're both really tense, really nervous. And um, we'd had some little printouts of, you know, some images and things. And we said to each other, look, if he doesn't give us anything, if it, you know, if, if he doesn't give us, say, five grand, then it's an indication that actually this is not worth doing. You know, we needed some sign to say, is it a go? Is it not a go? And so we arrived at his office and he, he brought in one of his lawyers, who um, a lady who'd also had uh, experiences with her children with mental health issues. And we're, we're talking to him about it all. And then he gets up and he sort of walks off and he does something at his desk and he makes a phone call and he wanders out, and thinking, oh, you know, seriously disengaged, not in, like, what have we done? You know, and we're really, all... anyway, he, he walks back in and he gives us a check and it's for the full amount. And I bursted in tears. And Susie, oh I mean, it, like, no, try not to cry now. It was such an extraordinary thing for somebody to say, yeah. I believe in you and what you're doing is is, is worthwhile. And I, it was just, it still overwhelms me that somebody yeah. would have that the courage to be so generous. And, um, I mean, he has been phenomenal ever since. And, you know, he still he stays with us. The Texel Foundation does amazing work in this space for all sorts of people, not just us. But um, yeah, so so that was the start, and obviously since then, lots of other people have contributed, and we we're a social enterprise now, so we do social impact investing as opposed to philanthropy. But um, that was that was the beginning. Um, yeah, and I think what he sensed was that real compassionate energy behind what you were doing, the courage of your conviction. You know, you really believed in this thing, and I think when you get behind it in that way, it gives you the courage to turn up at that event in the first place. <laughs> Then turn up back, you know, he says, come back in September. That was maybe testing whether you're really that serious. Yes. And then you show up and yeah. And, and people yeah. like that are incredible because they have a nose for, right. Yes. I'm gonna, and maybe it wouldn't work, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put my money where yeah. my belief is. Well, like I said at the beginning, we have all, you know, I've, I've tried lots of involved in lots of other projects in, in the past and they've, they've often felt like you're pushing them. And this one has mm -hmm. always dragged us, you know, and, it, wow. It's like it's it's always you know at the moment we've we've just finished this incredible project looking at how we can support autistic young people because mm -hmm. we realised as we looked through our data that we had a really strong group of autistic young users and we didn't we haven't designed the app for them in that sense but um, this research project we went back and we talked to as many of them as we could and got them to fill out surveys and things like that and we discovered that inadvertently we have created a safe non-judgmental anonymous space where young people who are autistic or learning disabled can express themselves you know because the mm -hmm. posts are very short we're not fussy about grammar and spelling and things like that it's asynchronous so we used to fret that moderation happens about every 15 minutes and we used to fret that that was too slow and kids want instantaneous gratification or whatever but actually the fact that there is a pause takes the pressure off because the person posts it and they're not sitting there thinking, am I going to get a reply? They know it's yeah. got to go through. It's going to be checked. It's, you know, and that slows everything down. And, um, you know, so we never realised this was going to happen. You know, again, it's just yeah. these things. So for people on, with autism, that's that's super, actually super yes. helpful, I think, yes. to have time to digest. And, 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 and another, another funny one, we've never been able to afford to put video directly into the app. We've, well, oh, we, want, we want video. 
But it turns out that our autistic community really don't want video because they find all of the the stimulus overstimulating. Mm, sort of it's mm. actually very calm, simple, straightforward play. Again, we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't mean to, but brilliant. <laughs> yeah, again. And what I love about this story is, I mean, you said at the beginning you're quite, uh, you know, you have your science background, you're invested in the data and you're using that data, you're turning that into oh, let, let's just see what we're, we're finding here. And, you know, yes. there's a statistic on the website that said, although there are only 1.8% of the population are, are autistic, 17% of your users are. And yes. you took the time to notice that. Yes. I mean, I think that's incredible. And then not only that, go on to extrapolate from that how we can best design it in that, you know, given that we have this information? Yeah, I mean, Susie always says, whenever we're sort of struggling with a problem, or so, she always says, let's go back into the app. The app will have the answers. The kids will mm-hmm. tell us how, you know, we, mm-hmm. we, do, we go out of our way all the time to make sure that we're, we're talking to young people and finding out from them, how should we do this? You know, we, we, yeah. we don't know. So we have to go back to our users and say, what is it you need? How do you want it to look? You know, how should we do this? And they, they give the answers each time. That's incredible. And then, I mean, you know, from, from what you've described, you're actually taking that data and that information and helping, you know, working with alongside the NHS, for example, to really shape the the provision of mental, mental health care services outside yes. of it. Yeah, we do. We do try to share sort of insights as much as we can. And, um, you know, we're working with different NHS regions to shed light on specific things that are going on for them or how young people are responding to other services that they provide, things like that. So the the data is is really rich and it will only get richer as we as we grow and as we get more as we get more users. I mean, a big thing for us at the moment is how do we measure improvement you know we don't want to we, we, we want to be doing this for a reason and unfortunately many health apps do not actually pay any attention to whether or not they're making a difference mm. and for us that's critically important but we've realized that it's a much harder problem in the mental health space because physical health you break your leg you have treatment and it does or doesn't get fixed or you have a bacterial infection and you take antibiotics and you're, you're sorted it's quite binary mental health is more about the stuff that's going on in your life which is up and down all the time. And so it's not mm. about we will fix you. It's more yeah. about we're here to support you as you need it. Um, but obviously we need to still be self-critical and understand, is our approach working? Does it does it help? Not mm. what should we do? Because like I said at the beginning, we're not we're not a social we might look social media, but we're not a social media app. We're you know No, no, very much not so. And I think it's one of the one of the critical pointers you know one of the things that you're doing so well is providing those tools so that you know mental health different things can happen in different circumstances all the time but it actually does allow you to equip yourself with tools that can help going forward you know this is not just one crisis that you as you say fix yeah I mean another there are hundreds of brilliant brilliant services out there that are there to support young people the families parents whatever and unfortunately most people don't know about them Um, and so the tell me directory has over 600 resources in it at at a national level and then in any area where we're commissioned we will also scope out what's available locally so that 
that young person can come and find it. And what works really well is combining the peer support alongside the directory because there are also hundreds of directories out there on websites and whatever, and nobody knows about them, nobody goes to them. But because you've got this engaged community that's talking to each other, it's very simple for people to go, well, have you looked in the directory? Or, you know, hey, I found this service. And and it's that cross sort of uh, fertilization between the two that seems to work work really well so that's something else that the, the nhs are getting quite excited about is this i imagine yeah. all this signposting because because there is a lot of good stuff out there <laughs> yeah yeah and just just to touch back on the the sustainability and the funding part i mean you, you talked about how you got your initial kind of wind in your sails how, how does it work now do people pay for those services or yeah so we're a social enterprise we we could be a charity we could have been a charity because we're doing everything we're doing is meets that charitable definition but we there were two two things that we felt quite strongly first of all we didn't want to compete with other charities because this is a problem for collaboration in this space is that everybody in the charity sector is fighting over that very small pot of funding and we wanted to be um the, the junction box that was able to bring everybody together. So we didn't want to sort of make them feel we were competitor to them. Um, but also we, we felt that we wanted to be very positive in, in our outlook around mental health. And the trouble is that if you're fundraising, asking for donations, you have to tell the negative story because you have mm. to pull the heartstrings. And young people, that's a real turnoff for young people, you know, particularly if they don't feel they're in crisis, they don't want to be able associated with a service that's all about sort of doom and gloom so we, we're a social enterprise um, which means we we take on social impact investment um, and that's that's a complete range from some of our investors who would prefer to donate the money to us because they are philanthropists through to others who are investing because they do hope at some point to make a bit of a return but they don't want them they want to to invest in a way that makes them feel worthwhile and you know yeah, so they're incredibly yeah. supportive and I I applaud both of those. And then the service the service is free at, at the point of view. So anybody can go and download it from the App Store, the Play Store. We've got a web version. Um, but the NHS and local authorities also commission us in, in certain regions to work in schools, to provide them with the data insights and to generally just make sure that it gets very wide coverage um, because it is helping to mop up the lack of services and provision that they have in those in those areas. Um, we're hoping to expand internationally soon. Uh, that's, wow. that's on our timetable and it's quite exciting. Um, and we, we already have an international usage. Actually, a funny story. About four years ago, the, um, uh, the, was the, the World Service, BBC World Service, we didn't know. They did a little story about us. And we suddenly had all these Iranian users who, uh, who were from an LGBT community. And can you imagine in Iran where you get to talk about things like that? And they were all suddenly on the app. It was brilliant to have them. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. How incredible. And so now it's pretty much a global space. It it can be, yeah. I mean, we we don't advertise outside the UK at the moment. And we're very aware that there will, as we move internationally, there will be specific cultural issues that we will Mm. need to Mm -hmm consider and think through uh, and there are the safeguarding issues so in the UK we understand if it's very rare but occasionally we have people that we need to get the emergency services to and we know how to do that and we can get somebody mm-hmm. to them you know so we have that safeguarding process that's really important to us and so until we can feel confident that we can do that in another country we won't we won't be advertising widely in, in any other country. 
And that makes a lot of sense, but I can see a model whereby you can roll out your learnings for anyone who did then want to go and set up, you know, their own. Yeah, and I mean, what what we quite like the idea of as well, you know, we've had lots of conversations with people in Australia about potentially opening, you know, expanding it more formally out there. And what would be great is that that would mean that the kids who are awake in the middle of their day, in the middle of their summer, could be having a chat with the kids in the UK who are in the middle of the night and it's December and then, you know, and that that adds a new dimension to it all, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, but from the point of view of the professionals who are within, they're they're paid. How, yes, how does that yes, work? Yes, so yes, so we have uh, we have moderators. Uh, so they 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 take a quite an administrative role, um, and so they don't need any. We give them training. They don't need any sort of formal qualification, but we find it helps for them to have had some experience with young people. So we have mm. we have trainee psychologists, people who work with the scouts, former teachers, things like that. So they're doing the they're doing the risk assessing and the checking of the posts. And then we have in-house counsellors that we pay and they all they all are properly qualified, you know, and have a background. We've recently introduced something called solution focused therapy, which I think we are possibly the first in the world to be offering this in a text-based format. Um, wow. And particularly to young people, so that's super, super exciting. Um, and again, they're qualified and and um, paid. But then we do have this amazing team of super peers. We call them our super peers, and these are mostly undergraduate psychology students who who work with us on a voluntary basis to gain work experience and course credits for their degrees. And so we wow. train them to be, not to be counsellors, but to be super peers. And they go into the app. Like they have to do 80 hours for, for the Reading course, for example. So 80 hours over about 30, over three months. And they go in and what they're checking for are posts that haven't had replies, say, after say, a few hours. And often they are the posts that are a bit more tricky to reply to. Mm-hmm. And they will give a reply. And often that unlocks, unlocks it for other people. And the other thing we often see is that other users, like regular users, will take almost verbatim what a super peer said in one post and apply so there's this kind of stealth learning going on there as well yeah. and it's yeah. brilliant so you model you model that exactly. that way of responding exactly it's exactly incredible. yeah and it's actually really really difficult for um undergraduates to get work experience in the mental health space because they have to have been qualified and whatever but mm. because we have this really you know tight safeguarding process all their replies are checked the same as everybody else they can do no harm. And so we can just let them loose. And, you know, yeah, so I think, yeah. I think we've trained nearly 500 um, young people, you know, uh, undergraduates now in this. And then obviously they go off and uh, carry on with and their career. That just makes my heart sing because it embodies collective wisdom. It embodies mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, uh, we, we do look to experts, but we can also often find the best solutions in and around That's ourselves. Absolutely. And you can never know just when the right words in the right moment might land, but there's yep. so much more chance of that happening in this situation than someone who's sitting on a waiting list, waiting to see a health professional yep. and maybe not getting any access to anything in the meantime. Yeah. 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 Wonderful work. Wonderful. Now, uh, as I explained, I always ask my guests about music and I, I, I think there is a parallel here because for me, music is a place I go to mm-hmm. if I want to lift my mood and I'm feeling enough, yep. I've woken up feeling a little bit. And I know it's a bit, um, you know, flippant to say that when we're dealing with, if you're dealing with really, 
yeah, serious things. But I was just wondering if there was a song that came to mind that, yeah. that means to you. So, so when you asked me before, weirdly, the first song that came to my head was I'm So Excited by the Pointer Sisters. And it's not it's not my favourite song or anything like that. But I'll tell you why. It's because um, when I first, when I started out on this, and, you know, the topics we're talking about are pretty heavy. And yeah. I, I would find it really difficult sometimes to stand up in front of an audience, you know, we're going to pitching events or if in front of schools or whatever, and, and talk about Tell Me and, and talk about the issues. And somebody gave me a little bit of advice that if I could find a song that I could listen to, even a little snippet of it before I had to do that, it would change my perspective. And that I'm so excited. I don't even have to listen to it now. I just think of it and suddenly yeah. I can get myself into that into that moment. So that. <laughs> That was the one. That song is going on the playlist. And it's funny because I just hosted a week, uh, a workshop. Uh, I was co hosting a workshop this weekend. And we were talking about the power of playlists, not just playing all your favorite, you know, it's not just about, oh, if they're all mood boosting songs, that will boost your mood. How you might have a song that reminds you when you hit a dip, this is the song I listen to. Oh, yeah, okay, but things always change. Where do I need to go? Perhaps I need to ask for some help. You know, so you can actually build a whole playlist around your journey as you're going along. And I love, love, love that you have this song that just when you're thinking, oh, and then it maybe reminds you that it's not always it, in that moment where you're thinking this is about me, you start to reflect on the why you're doing yeah. this, why it matters, connect with something a bit different. Yeah. So the Pointer Sisters, I'm excited, definitely yeah. going on the playlist. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that one. And then um, just from a point of view of, of wisdom, is there a piece of advice from the learnings that you've had on this journey that you would like to share? I think probably what what we discussed earlier that um, and in fact it, 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 it was it, it was even mentioned quite a lot when, when we met didn't we at the event we met at that um, that the act of giving help often benefits the person who's giving it more mm-hmm. even than than um, than the receiver and so if you need help don't be afraid to ask because you you could yeah. well be doing doing a service that you know to that other for that other person as well you're not you're not taking from them. Um, so so don't be afraid to speak up don't be afraid to ask that is beautiful beautiful advice yeah asking for help is something doesn't it doesn't always come naturally and I think we always end up thinking that that it's transactional that it should be a reciprocation but often if you're able to ask for help and then when you are in a position where things have got better you're able to offer it it becomes a currency which is just so magical so wonderful and for anyone who's listening to this who is feeling oh wow that is someone I know who could really do with maybe accessing the app yeah what's the best place to start um so they can go to the app store or the play store so it's spelled tell me t-e-l-l-m-i um or if they want to look at it so obviously you've got our website which is tellme.help but they can also use the app via a browser from tellme.app so Super, super easy, but I would recommend App and Play Store as the, as the quickest place. Yeah, and so you download the app. You can just create your own user profile. Yep. That anonymity is, I think, the essential part of yep. the whole thing. You know, you can go in, just see that kind, loving community, which just sounds like it's an awesome space. Incredible. Well, I would just like to say thank you, firstly, for the work you're doing. It's definitely life-changing, and I think you have the data to prove that. You are making a difference to young people, sounds like across the world, but definitely in this country every single day. 
And then thank you for taking the time to come and tell us all about it oh, here today. No, and, and thank you for your, I've loved having a conversation with you. So thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing and reconnect with that song if ever you meet that moment of doubt. <laughs> it's life-changing. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much to Shurston. And if today's conversation has touched you or someone you know who is grappling with the issues we've discussed, please know you're not alone. If you take a look at the website at tellme.help, that's T-E-L-L-M-I dot help, you can read for yourself some of the truly inspiring stories of the young people who make up this amazing community and the ways in which they've been able to access the help they need, which often starts with a simple conversation. There are links in the show notes and if you find it to be helpful then please please do share this episode or the link to the app with your friends. We're so much better together. Until then take care and be on the lookout for anyone who seems like they might be struggling. Remember what Shurston said about acts of simple kindness and how they can have a transformative impact on both the giver and the receiver. It's part of what we believe here at Collective Wisdom that love wins always. Take care and have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.